morning again to everyone. So good to see you today. We're going to be in John chapter 17 again. We're going to start uh, preaching in verse 16, but I'm going to back up and read verse 13 to get a little context this morning. But go ahead and find that, John chapter 17. Now today, we're going to read one of those words in the Bible that is specifically a Bible word. And what I mean by that is we don't hear this word that we're going to talk about today unless we're in church. We don't hear it unless we're studying theology or reading the Bible. Now, the concept in the Word we experience all the time. It's a part of our daily life. We just don't realize it. But the Word we don't often use unless we're at church. And we're going to take one up today. The Word that we're going to look at takes this concept and puts it very specifically in the context of the church. We're going to talk about a Word that has everything to do with our lives as Christians and the life of this congregation as we are before God and also living in the world. So I'm not going to set the Word aside. Many people would do that. You'd come to the Word that we're going to come to and it's like, oh, that's a big Word. Move on. We're not going to do that. We're not going to set it aside because if we do, we're going to lose something very true and very necessary for our lives as Christians and as the church in the world. Well, why would we set the word that we're going to look at today aside? Because as I said, it's a church word. It's a religious word. It's a word we don't use in everyday conversation, so we're afraid that it might be too complicated. Or we might be afraid that it's just too boring to interest anybody. Or maybe it's just not important enough to matter enough to just take time to explain. Today, we're going to take another approach. Jesus used the Word. And He prayed this Word. So we're going to read it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to make it our prayer. We're going to make it our pursuit. And the Word is the Word sanctify that's a beautiful word it matters listen for it as we read stand with me in honor of God's word I'm going to start in verse 13 but we'll we'll focus on verses 16 and following Jesus is praying to God the father and he says but now I am coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. This is God's word. You may be seated. We jumped right into the middle of something. If you're joining us for the first time at Grace, Uh, or maybe you're hearing the Bible, you're new to the Bible, uh, or you just need a refresher course of where we are in the Gospel of John. 
we just jumped right in, so I'm going I'm to give you that background, okay? Just a couple of minutes to get us oriented. We're in the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John is a written account of many of the things that Jesus did and said over a three-year period of time. And the reason he said them and did them was to show that he is the Messiah, the chosen one of God from God. He's the Son of God, and that in him there is true life. That he, he's telling us in John, that he gives life to everyone who believes in him. And in John, we are called, as individuals, we're called to repent of our sin and our own self-life, putting ourselves as, as God in our lives, repent of that and come to believe in Jesus Christ and follow him in faith. That's the whole gospel of John. The first chapter was a big introduction in a, with a lot of theological language. And it said basically that Jesus is the son of God that he's pre-existent. He, he exists from all of eternity, meaning before anything else in this world existed. In fact, by him all things were created. And that first chapter, John tells us that Jesus came into the world, and when he did, he became a man. The Son of God became a man, thus the name Jesus. He was given the name Jesus when, as the Son of God, he took humanity to himself. So he's divine, and he's human, and that first chapter of John tells us that Jesus revealed God to us. I want to see God, then look at Jesus. That's the point of John. Still in the first chapter, and it's going to speed up in a moment because we're going to get to John 17, but still in the first chapter, we're told the reason that Jesus came. And the reason that Jesus became a man, the Son of God became a man and his name is Jesus, is to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Did you pick that line up in the song that we just sang? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What does that mean? John tells us that the whole reason that Jesus came, the Son of God became a man among us, the whole reason was to end up at the cross, and there on the cross, Jesus Christ is like a sacrificial lamb being killed to bear the wrath of God, the penalty of sin for the people who offered the sacrifice up. That's what Jesus was. He's the Lamb of God, a sacrifice of God on our behalf. And we're told all who believe in Him will receive Him and be forgiven of their guilt to be reconciled to God and be called the very children of God. That's who, that's who Jesus is praying for in John 17. And that's still in the first chapter. Now, finish up this overview quickly. The, first, the next several chapters, chapters 2 through 12, we see signs that Jesus did, and he said things like I am statements, seven signs talk, that showed us his divinity, designated his purpose, seven I am statements where Jesus is claiming to be God. And then we came to chapter 13. And this whole gospel ends at, or, or goes to chapter 13 where we get the final night of Jesus before the cross. This whole thing's about the cross. He's the Lamb of God. And on that final night, chapter 13, we slowed down at that point because we wanted to hear what Jesus had to say on this final night. He shared a meal with 12 disciples. He washed their feet to predict the cleansing he would do and also to give them example to serve one another. And then Judas got up from the table 
and went out into the night and betrayed Jesus. And Jesus is left there with the eleven. And for the next several chapters of John, Jesus taught them. He said, this is what life is going to be like in the world without me. I'm going to give you my spirit. I want you to love one another. I want you to keep my commandments. It's going to be hard. There'll be a lot of tribulation and trials, but I'll get you through. I've overcome the world. See, he's teaching them because he loves them. And so right there, in the middle of that night, teaching them, we come to chapter 17 where we are, and Jesus just stops talking and he lifts to them, and he lifts up his eyes to heaven, and he starts praying for them. Today, we've landed in that prayer. That's where we are. He starts praying for them because he knew that only God, only the power of God would keep these disciples from evil. He knew that only the power of God could keep these disciples in faith. He's leaving. He, while he was here, he kept them, but he's going. So what are they going to do? So he prays that God would keep them. We've jumped into the middle of this prayer. We've already sensed it the past few weeks, just how sacred the moment is to walk in on the Son of God praying to God the Father just before the horror of the cross. And He's praying for us. We enter and we hear these words, verse 13. I'm coming to you, Father. And what does He mean? We know what He means, don't we? He's just a few hours from crucifixion. And then He'll be raised from the dead. And then he'll spend about 40 more days with his disciples teaching. And then he's going to ascend to heaven. So it's coming. It's very soon. He's going he's to go back to the Father. In verse 13 he says, but they are going to remain in the world. That's his concern. And it gives us such comfort and such encouragement that he knows where we are. He knows we're in this world. If you've ever lifted your eyes to the Father and said, do you know where I am? The answer is, absolutely I know where you are, and my son prayed for you there, and I'm going to take care of you there. That's what's going on here. And so Jesus said, I am praying for them. Last week, we heard Jesus pray that the Father would keep them in his name, in faith, as he truly is, and that the Father would keep them from the evil one. And then we come to, to today where we're reading, and we hear Jesus pray the prayer, sanctify them in truth your word is truth there's our word sanctify we're not going to set the word aside we're not going to go around it we're going right into it we're going to receive this word from jesus because this is the desire of jesus christ our savior for us that we would be sanctified what does it mean how then are we how is it possible, and why? Why are we sanctified? That's the way we're going to look at it today. First, what does it mean to be sanctified? That's an interesting word. Well, it means to consecrate. That helped you, didn't it? I say that because in verses 17 and 19, once Jesus said, sanctify them, in verse 19, he said, I sanctify myself. That's the same word, translated differently in English. 
To sanctify something means to make it holy. Now, when you hear the word holy, you usually and rightly think of moral character. Or you might just use it as a slang word. Or you might use it in a derogatory way toward another people, another person who thinks he or she is holy. But if you really stop and think about the word holy, usually we're thinking about moral character, a moral quality, something that's pure and perfect and complete and good. It's holy or it's sanctified, okay? And that's true. But there's more to it. There's more to this word sanctify and holy because it also refers to a function. There's a functional quality to being sanctified or to be holy. It means that we're made for something. We're made for a special purpose. The thing itself is not that big a deal. It's the purpose that makes it a big deal. You may have a, we may have holy utensils in our, in our church. Well, we, we don't really act like that much, but some people do. You know, you might have a certain chalice or a certain tray where the communion bread goes on and uh, is placed and people say that's that's holy and sometimes we're not all that holy around here when my when my daughters were young and we were starting this church we met in a school building down by Vanderbilt and we had communion one day and after the service a gentleman in our church came to me an older gentleman and he was laughing and he said Scott you're your daughters are out front selling the leftover communion uh, bread and juice. And I said, well, did you stop them? And he said, no. He thought it was funny. And I, and I guess it was. But, but the point is, is that those were somewhat holy elements. I mean, you know, again, we don't treat them like that, but there are things that churches do. Well, this is the same as in your house. You've got some holy objects in your house, some sanctified objects, like maybe there are some dishes in your house that you only bring out on certain occasions. You've designated them for special use and special people. I have, I have a holy coffee cup. And I use it for a designated purpose. And if you came into my house and defiled my coffee cup, it'd be trouble. Both meanings are in the word sanctify. Jesus wants his disciples, his church, to be made holy in our character. He wants us transformed to be like himself. But he also wants his church to be sanctified or made holy in that we are designated as the church for his use, for his purposes. Another way of saying this, here's a, a good word that we use, is the, is the phrase set apart. To be sanctified is to be set apart. That's what Jesus is praying for here in verse 17. Set them apart in truth. Your word is truth. Now, he wants us to be set apart in two ways, or sanctified in two ways. From the world. Verse 16, he said, they are not of the world. Now, what he means by that is not that we are inherently morally superior to anybody in the world. In fact, we're not. 
If you and I are honest, we'd realize that, that there's nothing about ourselves, in ourselves, inherent in, in us as human beings that makes us morally superior to anybody. We're, Christians are as big a scoundrels as anybody. Apart from the grace of God, saving us, forgiving us. Then he starts to transform our character so that we actually look more and more like Christ, degrees closer to that completion, looking like Christ that he's going to get us to when we go to heaven. We're not morally superior. We're, by God's grace, we've been transformed from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. We're being transformed into his image, all of this by grace. We're to be set apart from the world in that sense. He sets us apart. And this is what makes us not of the world. We are no longer, because of God's grace and his salvation, we are no longer hostile toward God. We're not rebellious against God. We're not following the course of this world in selfish ambition and empty conceit as the world does. We don't share the same values and priorities and character of the world because we have been sanctified or set apart from the world by the grace of God to be holy. So that's the first kind of setting apart that Jesus is praying for, that we would be set apart from the world because we're not of the world. The other part is that we would be set apart for God and for the purposes of God and the mission of God in this world. That is an interesting thing to think about. It's even strange as you look at yourself and as you look, maybe look at your friends or you might look at Christian congregations and you might think, really? That? Me? Them? Us? We? The church? We are the instrument that God sets apart to use for His glory and His purposes in this world? That is an amazing statement when you look at the condition of some of us in, our, in the church. But rather than get critical of that, we need to be praying for that because that's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. And as you're beginning to see and connect the dots, the first kind of sanctification or being set apart, which is to be conformed to the image of Christ, is necessary for the second one. For how do we bring Christ to people, which is the purpose of God in this world? How do we bring Christ to people and people into Christ unless we have Christ and are being conformed to the image of Christ? Jesus wants us sanctified he wants us holy he wants us set apart he wants us to be set apart from the world different by his transforming grace his saving grace he wants us set apart for his purposes he wants us to be used for his purposes in this world did you know that are you aware of this are we aware of this at all now here's an interesting question do we realize and acknowledge that Jesus actually has the right and the authority to want something from us? He really does. We belong to him. We're a people for his possession. And if we belong to him, then he, he 
has the right and the authority to want something for us and to make it happen. Maybe you've asked or been asked, what do you want in a church? And so you rattle off a list. The question is, what does Jesus want for his church? And here it is. He wants a sanctified, and he has every right to want that, and he has all authority to want that because it's his. So that's what it means to be sanctified. How do we get there? How is it possible? That's really two questions, so we'll answer the first one. How is it possible to be sanctified? Verse 19, Jesus said, For their sake I consecrate, remember, same word, or I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. How is it possible that we are sanctified, that we are set apart for God's purposes, that we're made like Christ? It's possible because that's the very reason for which Jesus sanctified himself. Now think about that. This is, an in, this is interesting language. Jesus Christ sanctified himself. He set himself apart to do something for us, for our sake, on our behalf. And he did it that we would be sanctified in the truth. And what did he do? Once again, we're back to the cross. Jesus Christ set himself apart at the cross. He consecrated himself. He gave himself to God. He said, Father, I belong to you. I will do what you have told me to do. You have called me. You have sent me. You have given me a purpose. The purpose that the Father gave the Son was to go all the way to the cross, to be the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, to be the sacrifice for our sin. And Jesus said, I consecrate myself to you, Father, and I will do it. He gave himself completely over to God, and then he did it. He sanctified himself, set himself apart. Only Jesus can do that work on the cross. Only he can do that. The cross work of Jesus was for us, and it accomplished, we say, well, it accomplished our forgiveness of sins. Yes, absolutely. But the cross work of Jesus also accomplished our sanctification, our setting apart for the very purposes of God because we belong to him. I could get into more and more theological language today, like the word justification, a beautiful, beautiful word. Don't set that one aside either. It's all about being pardoned of our sin and being made right with God, but it's for the very purpose of being set apart or sanctified. The point is, is that the clear intention of Jesus Christ is to sanctify us decisively, purposefully, voluntarily, the Son of God laid aside His glory and His privileges of heaven and took humanity to Himself and lived a sinless life and obeyed completely the will of the Father and died sacrificially in our place to redeem us from sin and darkness and set us apart for God Himself. That's how it's possible. But Jesus also talks about how it happens. Verse 17 he said, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. The truth. What is it? Somebody asked Jesus that question one time, didn't he? 
what is truth? Maybe you've asked it. Maybe you've thought about it. What's true? Well, according to Jesus, it's a, there's a the in front of it. Which means it's not a vague, generalized notion of right and wrong, good and bad, based on either the ever-shifting cultural values and norms, nor is it based on perceptions that are based on perspective and a person's lived experience. That's not what truth is. That's not a vague, generalized notion that's always shifting. Here's the truth, according to the Gospel of John. The truth is Jesus Christ. John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The truth is in Jesus Christ, John 1, 14. He is full of grace and truth. The truth comes to us as Jesus reveals God to us, John 1, 18. No one ever saw God except Jesus who showed him. The truth is everything that Jesus revealed about God in terms of what God wants about him, his nature, and his will. John 12 and John 14, Jesus said, I have given you everything that the Father has given me. The truth is all of that that Jesus revealed that the Holy Spirit kept safe through the apostles. John 17, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance everything that I told you. And the truth is all of that that the apostles remembered, that the Holy Spirit brought to their remembrance, that Jesus gave to them about God and about God's will and God's plan that they wrote down in the scripture, John 20, verse 30. This is a written record, John said, of, everything that, of many of the things Jesus said and did to show you that he's the son of God. That's the truth. It's very specific. It's very clear. It's the message of God in Christ preserved in the Bible. In fact, the Bible itself testifies that it's the truth. Great exercise for you today would be to read John, uh, uh, Psalm 119. It's all about the Word of God. Go home and read it. 2 Timothy 3, all the Scripture is inspired by God, breathed out by God, the very Word of God. 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter said, none of the prophecies were men just spouting off their own words. No, each one was carried along by the Holy Spirit giving the very Word of God. This is the truth. What Jesus is saying here is that by the truth, the word, the message, the gospel, by that, the church is sanctified. The church is made holy as people are drawn to Christ and conformed to the image of Christ and not conformed to the world. By the truth, the word, the message, the gospel, the church is set apart for the very purpose of God to go into the world to all the nations with that truth that set them apart to proclaim it and make disciples. Once again, it, we were at the cross a moment ago and once again we're back at the importance of the Bible, the Scripture. The Bible reveals God in Christ. The Bible reveals God's will to the church. In the Bible we read the Gospel. We don't find the gospel anywhere else except in the Bible. 
only the Bible gives us Christ, the cross, the atonement, the covering of our sins, the resurrection from the dead, the new life, the kingdom of God, and the final end to come. The Bible tells us how to walk, that means live, in step with the gospel, rightly, in all of life, until we get to that end. Without the Bible, we're making it up as we go along. And we know what that leads to, floundering and destruction. But with the Bible, with the Scripture, with the Word, the truth, by grace, through faith, we have Christ. And we are sanctified, we are set apart to be made more like Christ and to be used for God's purposes in this world. The Bible is the faith once for all delivered to the saints. So, let's guard. Let's be on guard against every temptation to add to it, to take away from it, or to find something new. Let's do that. Let's do that. I got a few head nods. Let's do that. Thank you. Okay. Number three, why? Why are we sanctified in the truth? Verse 16, because we're not of this world. Because we're not to be conformed to this world. Because we're to be conformed to Christ. We're to look like Christ. The purpose of the church is to bring, bring men into Christ and make them little Christs, like Christ. That's C.S. Lewis. That's why. But why else? Verse 18. Because we're sent into the world. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Do you know what the Great Commission is? It's that point at the end of the Gospels where Jesus tells his church to go into the world. And many people have said that the Great Commission is not in the Gospel of John. And that's not true. It's right. I just read it. And it's coming up later. Why are we sanctified in the truth? Because Jesus wants us on mission. He wants the church to be witnessing to himself, to eternal life, to the forgiveness of sins. Being sanctified in the truth is what keeps us from being conformed to the world while we're in the world and being sanctified in the truth is what keeps us on mission in this world. Do you know the church? This is interesting. We're talking a lot about the world and the church and sanctified, but th this is so interesting. The church actually grows from the world. Now, be careful. The church grows from the world, not by becoming like the world, but as God in His beautiful Grace and mercy draws people like you and me out of worldliness, the hostility toward God, out of that into the kingdom of his son and makes us a part of his church. That's how the church grows. The church doesn't grow with morally superior people. It grows with sinners like you and me drawn out of this world by God's grace alone through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and added, and he's adding to that number every day. Why are we sanctified? Why are we set apart to take that message back to the same world that we've been transferred out of and 
communicate it and call people to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Yes, the world is a place of danger. Yes, it is, and that's why Jesus said, protect them from the evil one. But the world is also a place of opportunity. And that's why Jesus said, I'm sending them back into it with the gospel. So Jesus prayed for our sanctification. He prayed that we would be made holy, like him, and set apart for his purposes. And then Jesus said, I went to the cross for this. I sanctified myself for this. And then Jesus said, there's truth. So congregation, Grace Community Church, this is who we are. We're people for God's own possession. We belong to God through Christ. This is what we do. We proclaim the excellencies of Christ. We're holy, beloved, set apart for God's purposes. And Grace Community Church, this is how it's going to happen. It's going to happen by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his atoning work on the cross to save us from our sins. It's going to happen as the truth abides in us. And as we are more and more set free from sin, it's going to happen as we take up the truth and live in this world for the glory of God. Now, this is what we're doing in the prayer of Jesus. We're praying for this and we are pursuing this with everything inside of us. If Jesus prayed it, then it is absolutely worth it. Father, we pray it now.